Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, Brittany and I are going to be chatting all things social media, how social media can impact us as humans in general, our mental health, um, you know, the unrealistic ideals of social media, and just all the things. It's kind of crazy to think about how our parents didn't grow up with social media. I mean, I didn't grow up with social media. Yeah, like, I. I first had Facebook when I was a junior or sophomore in high school, but it was so different. You had the ability to upload 60 photos at a time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when people started to compare themselves, compare the fact that they weren't invited to this party or that party. But I cannot imagine growing up with Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. It is just crazy to me. And, you know, I'm excited to talk about social media and the impact it has on mental health and also the impact it has on our body image and how we relate to each other. Yeah. I die like laughing, but at the same time, it's like actually really not funny of, um, those TikToks that are like 15 year olds nowadays versus when I was 15 with like a side ponytail and like Sophie Schwartz rolled yep. up, and, like yep. a sugar lips tank top. It's um, so true. Now they're like decked out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would literally die if I was a parent right now. Just like, what the hell is going no, on? It's, yeah, it's really hard. It's it definitely hard. is. And I feel like there's has been a lot of research, you know, in the last few months, last even the last few years coming out from like Facebook and other um, social media channels that really show us the harm social media can have, especially on, you know, the younger population of people, both when it comes from, as you mentioned, this like really unrealistic perfectionist ideal, you know, people will edit their photos and their videos and put on different, you know, what's the word that I'm thinking of? Filters. Filter. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And then she's waving her hand in front of her face. I'm waving my hand. By the way, I don't even know how to add, I don't even know how to edit photos and I never have, but I feel like it becomes one of those things, like the more you do it, people get sucked into it. And so you almost like can't stop. And it's really, really harmful for those around us because, you know, it's like you're a walking magazine ad, except people think it's real because it's your social media channel. Yes. I saw something on, I think it was Alex Light's page who we love. And, um, it's funny cause we were just chatting about her page and, um, she had something about Beyonce and it was like an unedited photo of Beyonce. And she was like, Beyonce doesn't even look like Beyonce. And it's like, Oh, that makes so much sense of why we have these ideals when, and I think even, I forget what the percentage is, but I'm pretty sure it's like as low as like 5% of bodies naturally look like the bodies that were always that our society is trying to achieve. So the people that can actually sustain those bodies, there's like 5% of them in the world, which is right. absurd that that is the ideal. Makes right. Sense. 
Yes. No, it's, you know, it's really hard. And what I think is interesting too, and tell me if you agree, are you on TikTok? Am I on TikTok? Yeah. Okay. So that's a yes. <laughs> but it's interesting because I find Instagram to be a lot more um, focused on yep. this idea of perfectionism and editing. Whereas Same. to me, TikTok is a lot more unedited. Like yeah. people will show up in pajamas with like a bun on their head. Right. Um, and at the same time, you know, it's, it's hard. Like when you're on TikTok, it's funny. I have a client who, um, told me that she kind of is like straddling the anti-diet and dieting TikTok because Mm -hmm. she's like straddling it in her life. And so when she goes on TikTok, she's like, I don't know which version of TikTok I'm going to get. Am I going to get like the anti-diet diet diet suck? Or am I going to get I lost 20 pounds in like five weeks. So it really, you know, we have so much power over how the algorithm works. And what did you say in one of the episodes where you can actually like unfollow or. Yeah. So if you're on, um, TikTok, I forgot how you do it, but basically anywhere those, there's those like little three dots, especially on your discovery page of Instagram. Um, you can hit the little three dots and hit not interested and it'll tell the algorithm, like those types of posts you're not interested in. Uh, it's funny. Cause I feel like my TikTok straddles on that too, because I'm always, I always watch the videos with like, I lost 20 pounds. Cause I'm curious, like what's going around. Yes. Um, but also then sometimes my TikTok takes a totally different route. And it's like first time home buyer and Bitcoin investor. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? 100%. Uh, but it's so funny. And then there's like the interior design component, but I literally love TikTok for that reason, because it, it never gets me wrong. Like no matter what really doesn't, in, it's just, it's insane. But I, yeah, I was going to say, I actually purposely stop watching. Like if a weight loss video comes up, I will quickly um, swipe yeah. because I don't want TikTok to think that I'm enjoying those videos because then they'll just keep feeding you that content. I know. I I just like to see what's out there so that I can talk, speak to it, you know? Totally. Yes. I also, you know, think it's important to mention that if you're following someone on social media and you are watching them and they don't make you feel good, you have every right to unfollow them. So there have been a few bloggers and influencers, even some dietitians where they give off this like very perfect eating, perfect exercise, perfect everything. And I'm like, this like genuinely doesn't make me feel good. I find myself comparing myself to them and I unfollow them. And it feels so good to actually follow people who make you feel happy and, you know, kind of bring joy into your life. Yeah. 100%. I, and I totally agree with you with the Instagram versus TikTok. When I go on TikTok, like I, a lot of times with my clients will create like an emotional toolbox, um, for like emotional eating so that they feel like they have, you know, tools to use. And, you know, it's not my favorite thing to recommend to go to social media, but if you feel like you can have like a healthy relationship, like a lot of times for me, um, we have this big debate of like, does Lauren have ADHD? We don't know. (laughs) And, um, go on ADHD TikTok. It is life-changing. And I feel like a lot of times when I'm looking for food, I ask myself that question of like, what emotion do you have? And a lot of the time I'm looking for stimulation. So I promise this comes back to TikTok, but like I pick my fingers, I'm very fidgety. And Brittany literally this morning sent me a voice message and she's like, oh, he might have ADHD, honey. And I'm no, like, I, I fully <laughs> diagnosed Lauren with ADHD. 
<laughs> By the way, I also diagnosed my sister and her therapist is like, you don't have ADHD. I'm like, Missy, I promise you, you have ADHD. And now oh. I send her ADHD TikTok. She's like, yes. I feel so seen. Yes. Yes. Every time I see one, I'm like, oh, that's, that's literally me. Um, which is so interesting because I'm totally going on a tangent right here, but like I have picked my thumbs which is horrible since I was a junior in high school, since I started going to a therapist for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because people always ask me, Oh, are you anxious when you pick your thumbs? And I'm like, no. And it made, it was, I felt so seen when people are like, Oh, if you're fidgety, like sometimes that's a sign of ADHD and that's 100% it. So, um, back to TikTok. but a lot of times I'm looking for stimulation. So if I, and honestly, TikTok really stimulates me because I learn a lot from TikTok. I'm so like entertained by it and it's in a healthy, I mean, you know, screen time isn't the healthiest thing, but from what I like view on it, it's typically a healthy, you know, relationship that I have. Yes. But, um, yeah. So sometimes when I like need that stimulation or it's rest and stimulation, cause it's kind of hard to get both. I'll sit and I'll just watch my TikTok videos. I'll set a timer and be like, all right, Lauren, you're not going to sit here for three hours. Um, but that can be helpful for me sometimes. Obviously I'm not like, I'd rather you, you know, call a friend or engage with other people, but, um, sometimes that's just what you need and that's okay too. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it depends on the type of content you are absorbing and also noticing how you're feeling after you're on the app. Like if you notice that when you go on the app, you become, you know, anxious or, you know, you start judging yourself, like that's probably an indication that the content that you're taking in, it might not be the best for your mental health. And so I feel like building awareness around how you feel about yourself, how you feel about, you know, social media in general can be, you know, very beneficial. Yeah. And if there's certain things that you want to see on your TikTok, just, you know, whisper to your phone something and I'm sure it'll pop up. 100%. It's <laughs> that to me is very concerning. It is very honestly. Concerning. Yeah. Did so, you ever yeah. um, did you ever use like skinny app or anything like that which is never me that it even exists but I, I, I mean, unsurprising, I I'm so bad with tech that I would not even know how to use it. So the answer is no, I've never, I've never done it. I will admit though, that when for one of my best friend's weddings, I felt like very self-conscious in my dress. This is like a few years ago. And I took a solo photo with her and I just did not like how my arm looked. And so I, her friend edited my arm And I'm like, this looks so fake that I cannot justify putting this on social media. So I ended up just not posting any photo of myself, but I could not bring myself to upload an edited photo. And this was like way before any of the work that I've done, but I, yeah, I've never edited. Have you? It was like a whole saga. I mean, it's just crazy. When I look back on those photos, my body dysmorphia was so bad that I thought it looked good. Like I look back on them and I'm like, that doesn't even look like a human. Right. It's it's like you have like blurry areas. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh gosh. I mean, I have multiple instances where like, I remember one time I took a photo with a friend and I was like, oh my God, my arm looks so big. And she's like, oh, don't worry. Like I'll edit it. And I'm like, oh, perfect. And it's like, oh my gosh, no. Even now when I see photos of myself that I'm like, "Mm, I really don't like the way I look. Like I have friends all the time being like, oh my God, I look so fat in that. Can you take that down? And obviously I respect their wishes, but I do my best for myself to be like, it's okay if there's a photo online of you that you don't yes. like, right? Like 
I don't want people to be <laughs> catfished by me um, when that's not really the point, but I don't want to basically put out a version of myself that isn't real because first of all, I'm so much more than my body. And that's what I remind myself. If I see photos, like I just did a, this photo shoot, I was showing Brittany the photos for my brand. There's definitely photos where I'm like, Oh God, I thought that was going to look a lot better. And, um, it's not it, it, beating yourself up over. It isn't going to change the photo. It's not going to change how you feel about yourself. So can you give yourself that space to be like, it's okay. I'm so much more than my body. That has been really helpful for me. Um, when I see something that I don't really like. And also, um, the book beyond beautiful. I love how they put it where our brains are so used to seeing the same thing. So when we look in the mirror, um, we see the same thing every day. We think that we're familiar with how we look. And then you see a photo of yourself, which is a reflection, which you never see except in a photo. So that unfamiliarity actually triggers something in your brain to be like, that's not right. That's wrong because it's not what you're used to seeing. So it might not even be that you don't like, you think you just don't like the way it looks, but your brain is also just not familiar with that appearance of yourself. Yeah. I also think it can feel really jarring if someone has experienced weight gain and they're used to seeing themselves in photos a certain way. And then all of a sudden they see this like new person that they are. And, and I say new person, meaning to them, they feel like they're kind of like outside of their body. They feel like a different person. It takes time to adjust to how you look in photos. It takes time to kind of grieve your old body. And it's so interesting because back when I was, you know, on Facebook a lot, I would untag photos at the speed of light. I would literally untag it. The moment it went up, I would call friends like, please take that photo of me down. And then when I would look back at the photos that I removed the tags, I'm like, wait, what was wrong with this photo? Like this photo was totally fine, but it took time to kind of process it. And I totally agree with you. Like, listen, there are um, many times where I see photos of myself and I'm like, I don't like how I look there, but at the same time, it's not going to change anything that I'm currently doing. I'm not going to go on a diet. I'm not going to go to the gym. I mean, I'll go to the gym if I want to go to the gym, but I'm not going to go as punishment. Right. And so it's kind of making peace with it, giving yourself space, being like, yeah, like, I don't love how I look. And I also, it doesn't say anything about me as a person. Right. And I also want to acknowledge that it's totally normal and okay. If your first thought is, oh my gosh, I need to go on a diet because that is very normal, Mm -hmm. especially when you're first starting out on your journey. Um, the goal is to close the loop. So rather I'm going to go on a diet, let me not eat for the rest of the day and turning into a spiral recognizing that thought of like, Oh, okay. Maybe that's not the best thought. I know that dieting doesn't work for me. Um, how can I nourish my body? How can I respect my body? Um, how can I hold space for myself that I really don't like the way that looks, but it's okay. We can still recognize that we're more than a body and we can respect ourselves. Right. So, um, coming back to the skinny apping piece, it's really interesting too, because since I did it myself, literally I was on this self-sabotage, I guess it's like other people's sabotage, where basically I was on Instagram and if somebody looked really good, I would like pinch in the screen to see if they skinny apped themselves because I was almost like trying to, to be like, there's no way that they could naturally look like that. It must be skinny apped, right? So, um, and a lot of my clients are like, they struggle with going somewhere because they're afraid of somebody like criticizing their body. And I'm always like, 
the reason that you think other people are doing it is because you do it because of your own body insecurities, you know? So there's so many times where you think that everybody's staring at you because you do that, but you do it because you're struggling with your own body. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely does kind of switching gears a little bit. I wanted to talk about how fat phobia and some of the hypocrisy we see on social media can show up. And so for those who are on TikTok, there is someone, I honestly might be butchering her name, Emily Mariko. Emily Mariko, I think that's her name. She has blown up on Instagram, went from like 10,000 followers to over 7 million followers in the span of two months. On Instagram or TikTok? On TikTok, on TikTok. Like her account has blown up, but what you notice, and some people have made this connection, she's thin, she's attractive. Mm -hmm. She's thin and she's attractive. And people applaud her. They congratulate her on eating what seems like normal portions, meaning she's not restricting. She's not doing juice cleanses. She's not eating in a way that shows that she's dieting and people are like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like congratulating her. If Emily was someone who was unattractive by societal standards, or she was in a larger body, first of all, she never would have gained 7 million followers, which I hate to say, but it's just the, the reality of the world we live in. And she would have been trolled day in and day out about her appearance saying you're promoting quote unquote obesity. You're so unhealthy. How could you eat that? And so there is so much hypocrisy when it comes to social media and we need to pay attention to the stigma and the trolling that people receive. And the fact that when you have thin privileged, you can post a photo of yourself eating a cookie and a cake and people are like, oh my God, you're amazing. Like you're so inspiring. And when someone in a larger body posts a photo of eating a cake or a cookie, it's like, how dare you? Like, this is why you look the way you do. Yes. I can't even imagine. I mean, this again, for this photo shoot, I created this, um, not created, I baked a cake. Um, and it's so professional, you guys. I'm like, wait, you did not bake that. She's like, yes, I did. I'm like, I'm shook. Guys, it's literally a cake that says fuck diets on it. I don't know why Brittany thinks it's so But it has like sprinkles. It just looks really professional. I can't explain it. You guys will will see it on my page soon. Yes. But anyway, I I don't know what it is, but there was something in my mind. Like I was, I ate a lot of cake this weekend because it was really good. And also like a box cake isn't something that I just like have laying around all the time. Um, And I had a thought in my head of like, I can't imagine being judged for eating this. Like I'm not, you know, I've gained weight from my, you know, recovery and everything, but I'm still in a straight size body. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't the amount of judgment that, you know, of me going to eat that cake. And I just can't even imagine how different that experience is. Yes. And not even just judgment, like the actual hateful comments and trolling comments. Like it's, it truly blows my mind when I read things on the internet. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? Like, let's say in some other planet that being in a larger body means you have a higher risk of developing chronic disease. Mm-hmm. Let's just, let's just say that's the case. How does that still give anyone the right to treat people in larger bodies mm-hmm. with such disgust and disdain? Yeah. So it's just, it's so frustrating. And I know you feel the same way when you're working with clients and hearing 
their lived experience, but it is appalling. And in every other way, discrimination is not tolerated. Open discrimination, racism, anti-Semitism. Are there people who are anti-Semitic? Yes. Are there people who are racist? Yes. But being openly anti-Semitic, being openly racist is not tolerated. And yet when it comes to people who are in larger bodies in the plus size community, there is a no tolerance for it. And it is appalling. It is disgusting. Like, I don't know how else to to say it, honestly. It's wild to me. I mean, even every time that I say that I'm a dietitian, I'm like, I can't even imagine being a a dietitian in the larger body. Yes. Even like people, first of all, it's like, I think we've briefly talked about this, like Austin's a physical therapist. So every time he tells people that they're like, Oh, fix my back for me. They're like, Oh, should I not be eating this? You know, is there so many calories, but can you imagine what they would say? If I was in a larger body, they probably would be like, Oh, they, they wouldn't know what the hell to say. Right. By the way, Lauren, like I've had conversations with dietitians in larger bodies and their GI, like their dietetic intern directors said to them, like, you probably should switch careers. Yeah. I spoke to someone who said like, I don't really know why you're in this industry and this field is going to be really hard for people to connect with you. Like you should probably switch fields. And so again, like weight stigma shows up in every single format. And even within our community, there is sadly a lot of weight stigma that, you know, goes unsaid often. Yeah. And I've had people say to me, you know, oh, well, it's probably because she, you know, needs to lose a little bit of weight. And I'm like, you literally have no idea about her health habits. Like why, why is the immediate assumption that you need, that she needs to lose weight? She could literally be Lizzo dancing up, you know, on the stage for two hours at a time and be perfectly hot. I mean, I don't know anything about Lizzo's actual health, but I know that she can run around on stage for two hours at a time, melting her heart out. And also I might get slack for saying this and whatever, but there are plenty of dietitians who look healthy, Mm -hmm. who, who look like they have this insanely healthy lifestyle and they have eating disorders and they have severe disordered eating and orthorexia. And so, um, one, one tip I, I will give you, it has worked for me. When I tell someone I'm a dietitian, I immediately say I work with eating disorders and disordered eating because I find that it, it, it means that they're probably not going to ask about weight loss. And that's been something that I I've been practicing a lot. It's funny because even when I say that people can't actualize, they're just like, huh? Like it's almost as if people don't even realize that. And usually this is coming from like older generations of people where like eating disorders were, it's kind of like mental health. Like it it was just kind of like, it was never really addressed as much. Um, So they, they just kind of look at me like perplexed of like, what, so what do you do with them kind of thing? And also I feel like eating disorders, especially back then, and and even still now it's this idea of like, well, you're not sick enough unless you look anorexic or you look like you have an eating disorder. And so many people don't end up getting treated because they don't look the part of having an eating disorder when in fact, like they're really struggling. So why don't we finish the episode talking about body diversity, the importance of body diversity? What I will say is, and I'm pretty sure I've said this on the podcast, you know, many times before, one of the best things. And one of the most impactful things when it comes to my relationship with my body has been diversifying my Instagram feed, following people of all different shapes and sizes, some who look like me, some who are bigger than me, 
um, some who are smaller than me, you know, depending on the messaging that they're putting out. If someone is smaller and they're, you know, going on keto, like, yeah, that person is not going to end up on my feed. And so I find, um, you know, body diversity to be one of the most important things you can do, both when it comes to your own internalized fat phobia and unpacking your internalized fat phobia, and also just recognizing like there is so much more out there than this thin ideal that is constantly being put on us by society. Yes. That was one of the things that really helped me too. just realizing oh, there's more to life than trying so hard to be this thin ideal. Like we said, that most people aren't, have a very hard time attaining. And if they do look like that, they're either restricting in some way or they, you know, are naturally built that way, which is definitely a thing, which I digress, but it's interesting how we're like, oh, she's just naturally thin, but it doesn't, apparently it doesn't go for the other way of like, she's just naturally in a bigger body, um, which is, just again, hypocrisy, but that was something that really helped me as well. And I think it depends on where you're at in your journey of whether or not you do want to add those people who are smaller than you to your feed. Um, if you find that triggering, then uh, by no means do you have to do that. But at the same time, um, you know, there, there is a component that it might be helpful to you just to see all of the ranges of different sizes and accept that some people do look like that and that's okay. And you're your own person. And I also want to add that if following certain body diverse accounts makes you uncomfortable, mm. makes you fearful, brings yeah. up some emotions, that's a really great opportunity for you to unpack that, you know, and a way to unpack your own internalized fat phobia. Where is this? negativity coming from this hesitation coming from that is not allowing you to follow diverse bodies. And there is no shame around this, right? We all grew up a certain way. We all grew up in a society that really idolized a thin ideal. And so if we can really unpack our own internalized fat phobia, that is so important when it comes to actually healing your own body image and your relationship to your body and food. Yes. That's such a good point. Cause I have had multiple clients say to me, you know, I am acknowledging this internalized fat phobia, but I really only have it for myself. And I'm like, they're like, well, I'm, I'm perfectly accepting of other people in bigger bodies. But you know, when I do see people like certain influencers in bigger bodies or whatnot, like I just, I just, I don't like it. And it, again, like you said, it makes them uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, that's, that's fat phobia. Right. Right. Not just within yourself. It's also, Ooh, I don't want to look like that. So even if it's about yourself, you're still, it's still internalized fat phobia, 100%. Right. And the good news is, you know, you can unpack that and you can challenge those thoughts and you can really expand your idea of beauty and what that looks like for you. Yep. When I first started on my journey, I was like, I'm not fat phobic. Like that's ridiculous. Like, which Honestly, I would love to know a statistic on this, but I would say pretty much everyone. (laughs) By the way, you can actually take a test on Harvard. Um, I think it's through Harvard where I'm actually looking it up as we speak. It's a weight bias test. So if you're curious, it's like an implicit association test. If they have one on race, they also have one on body size. So (laughs) I encourage you if, 
this is something you want to unpack even further, take this test and see what comes up for you. And I think that could be a really nice kind of starting point to unpacking your internalized fat phobia. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Send me the link and we can put it in. The I will. Oh yes, I will. I will. I will. Okay. So look in the show notes if you want to take the quiz. Yes. So all in all, again, just to kind of recap what Laura and I discussed, figure out how social media impacting you, impacting your mental health, impacting your body image. Are there people that you can choose to follow that is, you know, that are giving out certain messaging? Are there people that you might want to unfollow or mute on your account? And really focus on body diversity, focusing on people who make you feel good and recognize like you are the curator of your feed and you can choose to follow who you want to follow and you can choose to unfollow who you want to unfollow. Yes. So important. And a lot of times these are things that we just don't think about, um, to do because I never thought I actually had someone when I first started my account, um, say like, which is slightly insane, but they went through my, who I was following and they realized that I wasn't following many body diverse accounts. And that was the first time I was called out on it. And I mean, I wasn't, I don't even think I was a dietitian yet, but, um, that was very interesting to me to even notice. I didn't even realize that I was, you know, so, um, just having that realization for yourself of like, "Mm, maybe I should try and diversify my feet a little bit. I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) whether it's a bit like disabilities, yep. able-bodied, mm-hmm. um, you know, sexual identity, like yep. all of the gender, like yep. just having a more diverse feed. And that way you get to learn too. And you get to yeah. learn from other people's lived experiences that you honestly probably don't have insight to. Yes. 100%. So we hope you enjoy this episode as always, please rate, subscribe, like, follow, share with a friend who you think could benefit. And as always, we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at Food Therapy Pod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.